Gondrepreneur is excited to announce the launch of our new YouTube series, The Fresh Cut, hosted by Kara Whitstock. Hi, I'm Kara Whitstock, host of The Fresh Cut by Gondrepreneur. In this interview series, we get straight to the source and speak with the real people working in the industry. In our first episode, I spend time with Nancy Southern, whose current mission is to educate seniors on cannabinoid medicine. She lets us know how to facilitate a comfortable retail setting for older adults and provides product recommendations directly from her own experience. Catch this in all future episodes on YouTube. Hey there, I'm your host, TG Brandfault, and thank you for listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I am joined by a very, very interesting guest. His name is Edmund DeVoe. He's the president of the New Jersey Cannabis Association. Uh, he previously served as its policy director and worked in the New Jersey Treasury Department. Uh, he was also a commissioned officer in the U.S. Army and is also a partner at the lobbying firm Burton Trent Public Affairs. How are you doing this afternoon, Edmund? Oh, I'm doing great, Tim. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure. You have such a re- an interesting background uh, that I want to get right into it, man. Tell me about your background and, and how did that br- and bring you to the cannabis space? Oh, wow. Well, uh, public policy is my first love, and I have always been in public policy. In fact, when I uh, when I say that, I even include my years as a commissioned officer because that's public policy. Uh, you get your orders from Washington, ultimately. So I've always been in public policy and uh, spent a number of years in the private sector and, and in the public sector. And uh, so one day uh, decided to join a very good friend of mine at Burton on Public Affairs. Uh, I walked in the door as its executive vice president Wow. So you fast wow. you fast forward, and uh, four years ago, uh, Burton Trent accompanied uh, New Jersey's legislative delegation out west to check out cannabis legalization. So we were with uh, senators and members of our assembly uh, in Colorado and in Nevada. And when we came back to our Trenton office, uh, we sat around the coffee table and we said, look, we th- this is going to be big. Uh, we have to get in this in a big way. So what are we going to do? So we co-created the New Jersey Cannabis Association, the state's first and largest trade association uh, built on uh, the cannabis industry. But it's funny, Tim, uh, even before we all agreed to do that, uh, we went home for the weekend. And and I always uh, like to share this part uh, because, uh, look, I'm I'm not a, a... real cannabis user. And so people will question, well, you know, why, why are you doing this? And so we went home over the weekend and uh, I shared it with my daughters that I was thinking about doing this, shared it with my parents. Uh, And I even went to uh, a dear friend who's a member of the clergy. And, and I said, look, if, if you don't think that this is a good idea, you know, please do share it and I'll I'll make my decisions accordingly. And my good friend simply asked me one question. He says, well, why are you doing it? And I replied, because I want it done right. 
I want it done right because I am a parent. I want it done right because I am an officer in my church. I want it done right because I am active in my community. I can't leave such serious policy up to just anybody, right? It's, it's the old adage, if you don't vote, you, you can't complain. Yeah. So if I'm not part of this policy making, then how, how can I complain about what, what occurs? So that was the decision, Tim. And how did those those very important people in your life react? You know, what what was that reaction? Did did anyone say you're out of your mind? No, no. In fact, it was funny. My I got cool points with my youngest daughter, <laughs> uh, and uh, so with my oldest daughter, who followed me into uh, the policy world, she says, "Wow, that that sounds neat." And my parents, uh, they just said, "Look, we grew up at a time when it was reefer." And, and you were smoking dope. And so they said, look, if, if you think it's a good idea, we like the fact that, that <laughs> if, yeah, look, you're our, you're our son. You're, you're pretty smart. <laughs> we, we trust you. And uh, when it came to asking my good friend in, in the clergy, uh, he, was, he, he basically said, look, whether you know it or not, we've had members of our congregation who were cancer patients, wow. who were seniors, who got their medical cards. And uh, sure enough, and I'm thinking back about them, and uh, we lost one or two of those members, uh, but their last days were improved. The, the quality of life was improved because of cannabis. So he was just like all over it. And, and so it made it simple. So when we got back to the office, and I think my partners were waiting for me to say I was in, and, uh, and I said it. So we were good to go. Thus, the New Jersey Cannabis Association. And w when you say, you know, I, I wanted this to be done right, what does done right look like to Edmund DeVoe? Mm. So when we look at policy and done right, um, first and foremost, uh, for me, uh, being a man of color, I'm, I'm African-American uh, for those folks that, that can't see me uh, and can't tell by my voice. <laughs> So uh, I'm African-American, and I do know because of family members and friends uh, that were victims of the war on drugs. They weren't victim of drugs. They were victims of the war on drugs. And I saw the uh, unfair treatment of my friends and family. Uh, I saw what happened to certain people when they didn't have a choice uh, of, of cannabis versus uh, other substances. Uh, so, so getting it done right clearly was expungement. Long, long answer to expungement uh, and, and reversal of the policies that not only demonized cannabis, but weaponized cannabis. Uh, and so uh, that, that's getting it done right. Uh, getting it done right means because I am a parent and because I am uh, active in my community with members of, of uh, youth groups, uh, I want to make sure that uh, number one, that they can wait until they're 21 to make a reasonable decision uh, about what substances they, they want to choose to use. Uh, so, and, and then when they choose, it's got to be safe. Uh, you know, I remember back when uh, it was really dangerous, and it's only gotten more dangerous if you were buying your cannabis in, in the black market. Um, you, you just really didn't know what you were getting, you, you, it, it went the spectrum, Tim, from either it was weak and it was stemmy, right, or seeds and yeah. was no good, or it went in the complete other direction and it was dangerous, right, whether it was embalming fluid or something else. And so uh, I want it done right 
because I want it safe. So even if you got it, uh, God forbid you should be a miner and somehow get a hold of it. At least we know it came from a regulated market. So you, you you talked about the the weaponization of cannabis laws, and I, and I got chills just just because I am a white guy, and and we got away with a lot. So so to to hear it with such strong sort of terms is chilling to me. Um, and it, so so. In the uh, legislation that was approved, and we'll talk about sort of where, where that process is kind of a mess right now. Um, talk to me about the social equity provisions that are included in that legislation. And what is the opinion of your association with regard to those proposed rules? Well, it's funny. This was an evolutionary process. Uh, uh, when uh, Governor Murphy first took office, uh, back in 2017, he said, first 100 days, right? We're going yeah. to legalize cannabis in New Jersey. Well, we got to 100 days, and 100 days turned into 200 days, <laughs> turned into 365, and so on. Uh, so um, in those early days, the, the conversation did circle around social equity, social justice, economic parity. And believe it or not, the early iterations of the legislation didn't didn't touch it and really? it wasn't until that right well wow. it wasn't until we got to this last iteration i know a lot of people were unhappy uh, because it didn't quite go far enough look i get that but uh but being in public policy my whole life you got to start somewhere uh so so fortunately what did occur in uh the current legalization bill is that we do have a uh class of future applicants, minority, women, and veterans. So we got that in there. We got expungement in the bills as well. Uh, we got legalization up to uh, six ounces. Uh, and then anything after that, and you're talking about uh, uh, it's something on par with a traffic ticket, right? Yeah. The, we, we took away the criminality uh, of the substance. So when we start talking about social equity, could it have gone farther? Absolutely. But are we are we angry that it didn't go further? No, we're not, uh, because we can always pick it up from there. So one of the, the you know, you are a lobbyist and, and in this industry, that is a dirty term. Um, so so what role, you know, do lobbyists have in the cannabis space? And, and moreover, what role should they have? You know, that that's a great question, because I, I do get that a lot, especially with speaking uh, to high school students uh, who ask, well, what is a lobbyist? Right. <laughs> And so you, you have the fun uh, telling them, well, the term actually uh, was generated because people were waiting in lobbies, yeah. <laughs> right? That's yeah. how you spoke the conversation. Uh, but, but more importantly, and I know this is a bit of a digression, but uh, I, asked, I asked people, I said, do you realize that you were a lobbyist at the, by the age of two? You were negotiating for that cookie, <laughs> right? And you were negotiating getting that that sweet, or you were negotiating, and that's what you did. By the age of two, you were a certified lobbyist, and that's that's what everybody waiting in the hallway, waiting in the hallway, right? <laughs> waiting in the door of that kitchen, right? So, so uh, being a lobbyist, it's all about getting to yes. It, it's how how do you get to yes, and the, that is the the positive aspect of being a lobbyist. 
right? It, it, you, if if the answer is always no, then then that creates uh, challenges. It creates hurdles. It creates hard feelings. Uh, my opinion and many of the other good lobbyists uh, try to figure out how do we get to yes. Compromise is not a dirty word. And so you, you get to yes. And so in the cannabis space, it has always been about getting to yes. It's always been about how do we get to legalization? How do we get a medical program? How do you get to yes? You're talking to legislators who many uh, are my age and older who grew up thinking that uh, all drugs are bad, right? Yeah. You have younger legislators and policymakers who were part of a DARE program, right? The Drug Awareness and Resistance Education. They were part of DARE and, and, and DARE said, all drugs are bad, right? You, you don't, don't do it. Meanwhile, it made me more curious about them, right? <laughs> right, yeah. So much for the DARE program, <laughs> right? And the DARE dog, uh, right? So, so, you know, you got that stuff going on. And so in the, in the lobby space in the cannabis industry, we have been successful nationally by getting to yes. In over 30 states, we got to yes. Uh, in our medical programs, we got to yes. And it makes sense, right? We're getting to yes in terms of uh, the federal government, right? You, you get the, um, the, uh, the Sessions memo, which shocked everyone, yeah. uh, which, which was the uh, successor to the Cole memo, where even the, the AG of the United States, the Attorney General of the United States says, back off of cannabis convictions. You've got better things to do. So, so we're, we're getting it right. We're getting to yes. So the, the, the legalization bill, uh, of course, was basically approved by voters after lawmakers approved their, that, that bill to go uh, to the ballots. Uh, since then, uh, it's it's kind of had an up and down, you know, we expected it to be to be signed. And then it went down again when there was some issues with uh, with with penalties for for children or lack thereof. Uh, they put out another version of the bill. Uh, and then the uh, the sponsor, Scutari, who's been, you know, a, a big player in this since the beginning, uh, him and another lawmaker, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting her name right now, but uh, they pulled that bill. Um, so where are we right now um, and, and how are members of your association weathering this legislative roller coaster? Well, it's interesting. Uh, go back to two years and everyone thought that it was never going to happen. Uh, we had members of the association who more or less were trying to figure out if they should stay as members of the association. Interesting. Uh, th they were saying, it. look, New Jersey isn't going to do it. Uh, New York and Pennsylvania are going to beat us to it. Uh, we had uh, applications, uh, requests for applications uh, go out. We had applicants get held up in court. It, things really weren't looking good. Uh, the fact that the legislature punted to the voters was still yet another challenging sign. But look, the, the voters overwhelmingly said cannabis is a legitimate business Get it, get it up and running, get adult use up and running. So here we are, got, uh, got the legalization bill passed through, through both houses, gets to the governor's desk, and the governor doesn't sign it. <laughs> governor doesn't sign it, and he says, well, look, talking about not going far enough, uh, you're not going far enough with respect to making sure that there are penalties in place 
for minors uh, because there are penalties if a minor gets caught with alcohol. There's got to be penalties if a minor gets caught with cannabis. Yeah. We, we have to make it clear uh, from the governor's perspective, and he's not wrong, that just because we, we use the term legalized, it's not legalized for everybody, right? Yeah, it's yeah. legalized for 21 and older. In fact, we, we just had a recent conversation uh, when you read the summary of the bill, the legalization bill, and the bill uses the term certain adults. And somebody asked me, well, what's a certain adult? I said, when you're 18, you're legally an adult. Therefore, see the nuances of the, of the political language, nuances yeah. of policy, certain adults, 21 and older. So the governor wanted to make it clear that legalization was, was not going to be uh, this, this tossed around term, much like recreation, right? Uh, we're learning not to use the term recreational because it takes away the seriousness of what you're about to do. Uh, so, so here's, here's the dilemma. The short of it is governor wants something in place, uh, protecting the kids, right? It's all about, you know, it's all about the children. <laughs> so, uh, and, and now the legislature says we've done enough. Sign the bills, right? Sign the legalization bill. We've done enough. And so now we're at the stalemate. And they're not wrong. Uh, they, they really have. They, they worked on this thing. They, they fought in both houses. They fought in the Senate. They fought in the Assembly, uh, scrambling to get votes. You, you kick it to the voters, gets done. And you're still fighting to, to get the language. You get it through both houses. So they're not wrong either. So we're at this point now where uh, every, everyone has, is principled on this, which is kind of odd, right? Uh, but everyone, <laughs> everyone is principled, and, and so we're, we're stuck. Now, that being said, here's a little technical, uh, uh, you know, put, put the uh, dime in the, in the meter. Uh, after the bill passes, after any legislation passes, if the governor doesn't sign it within 45 days, it automatically goes to the books. It automatically becomes uh, law. Yeah. Uh, the, the exception to that is if the governor vetoes the legislation. So now we're, we're, we started the clock and we're just a couple of weeks away from 45 days. So does the governor not sign it, not veto it, and just allow it to become legislation? Uh, or law, uh, or does he veto it? In which case, that's really not a good look. Uh, so, look, uh, <laughs> the bookies are out. You know, who are you betting on? In in New Jersey, to to, to override a veto, does it require two thirds? Yes. Uh, do do you know if the appetite is there with for two thirds of of lawmakers? Uh, you know what? Let let me let me rethink that. Because in New Jersey, it's, it's kind of interesting. The governor, the governor can veto. Uh, yeah, I believe it is two thirds, as opposed to a simple majority. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. To to change it. So, uh, I, I think the willingness will be there. I think they could. I think they would. 
Okay. Uh, so in, in a previous interview, you said that the New Jersey Cannabis Association will work to support an industry without, quote, artificial barriers. And I found that to be a very interesting term that I hadn't really heard uh, from anybody before. Can you explain what you mean by the term artificial barriers and what the association is advocating uh, with regard to these barriers? Uh, so the New Jersey Cannabis Association is uh, I, I've dubbed it the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce. So we represent all of the businesses, all of uh, not just the people who touch the flower, but all of the ancillary businesses as well. So as the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, uh, what we have to make sure is that everyone has an opportunity to be part of this responsible, sustainable, and profitable industry. So when we talk about artificial barriers, uh, you look at the application processes where uh, just currently under the medical program, it costs thousands, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to muster an application based on, on the yeah. way things are now. Uh, it doesn't need to be that way. Uh, you, you're stifling the industry. You're clearly stifling uh, communities of color and disadvantaged communities when you create these uh, financial barriers that just don't need to exist. Look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, you you apply for a license. It costs you a couple of thousand dollars, and you get a license. Uh, of course, after background checks. Uh, but why why can't New Jersey be that way, right? Why can't we just say a cannabis a cannabis operation is like a CVS? You don't put CVS through the ringer like this, right? You don't put any food chain through the ringer. Uh, stop creating these hurdles that are just unnecessary. Uh, we, we are missing out uh, on the, the possible tax revenue. We're missing out on re regenerating neighborhoods. We're missing out on doing all of these great things because we, we think we need to do uh, these financial hoops and financial hurdles. And, and uh, so th those are artificial barriers. They're barriers to entry into the industry. So, you know, talk, keep it on the subject of, of businesses. Um, how important is keeping the industry in the hands of small businesses or, or putting cannabis businesses in the hands of smaller entrepreneurs, specifically in New Jersey? And, and how will the, uh, the New Jersey Cannabis Association work to this end? And I think that's what a lot of people worry about when we're talking about lobbyists and we're talking, you know, is, is that it's only the big companies that can afford, you know, the big guys to go in there and get that yes. Um, so so what, what do you, what's your take on that? No, that, that's great. In fact, my predecessor, uh, Scott Rudder, uh, who's also my partner at Burton Trent, uh, Scott uh, came up with the phrase Main Street before Wall Street. Right. We, we definitely have to support local business. We have to make sure that uh, that the person living in a community has the opportunity to bring that investment to their community. They have to be able to keep that dollar circulating in that community. Right. You can't have a dollar or five dollars come into the community and then exit that community in a short period of time because a, a larger out-of-state operator is sending its profits back to Illinois or back to Nevada or back to Colorado. 
does not benefit New Jersey, doesn't benefit the neighborhoods that we're trying to positively affect. So, so what we really need to do as an association, and we've taken this stance, uh, we're, we're talking about, number one, lowering that financial bar to entry. Lower it. Get people involved. Number two, uh, Main Street before Wall Street. Make sure that if, if I'm in a neighborhood, I can invest in my neighborhood, that I can get to the storefront and I can rent that storefront or buy it and raise my business, stand up a business, uh, especially cannabis. Why not? And, and so when you look at uh, the landscape of New Jersey and you see vacant strip malls now, yeah. you see vacant, uh, the, the large shopping malls are going away. Uh, there, there is a need to create opportunity locally and make sure that, that, we, that we benefit the local participants before we start benefiting the out-of-state participants. You, you now gave me this, this vision of strip malls full of dispensaries or indoor malls full of dispensaries in New Jersey. And that, that would be really exciting. Um, is, is it surprising to you that New Jersey beat out more liberal Eastern states uh, to the punch on this? You know, you'd said earlier, um, you know, such as New York, right? We've had Cuomo for decades now, it seems. Uh, Connecticut, which has had Democratic leadership since 2010. And I mean, New Jersey, you know, has only had one Republican governor since 2002, but it was Chris Christie, um, who hates cannabis. Um, you know, it, what, what was it like for you to watch, New, you know, small New Jersey beat out their big liberal counterparts? You know, Tim, I, I use the phrase, we're, we're the tortoise that beat the hare. Um, people looked at us and we were the, and no one was betting on us uh, to pull this no. off. Right, and so uh, it it was it was a perfect storm. Uh, you had New York, and the fact that uh, they the blew governor, it three times in a row. <laughs> I mean, look, I I, I was involved uh, with discussions in New York. I appeared on panels in New York, and I'm sitting there next to governors' aides, and they're like, uh, "Look, it's in the budget bill. It's going to happen in April. It's going to happen in April." Never happened. Never happened. At least in New Jersey, we kept plugging along uh, like the tortoise, right? Sometimes we got tucked in our shell, but but by and large, we just kept plugging along. And and so when we kicked it over to the voters, when the legislature did that, um, what what better way to take your chances, right? Yeah. If if you can't get the votes, um, and and so all of the. Um, uh, all, all of the the work that was going into uh, the polling, the pre-polling, uh, was was telling us the voters are for this, and and so even if you were opposed to cannabis being legalized, the voters were telling you through all of the polling data, conservative communities, liberal communities, and sure enough, cannabis legalization passed in every single town. In every Passing town. Every town. Every town. Every town voted yes. Wow. By majority. And so, and so when you look at that, New Jersey beats New York, beats Pennsylvania to the punch simply because we just we just kept going at it. I mean, we, we, we you guys are fortunate to have a ballot initiative process. I mean, in order for a ballot initiative to happen in New York, it has to be a constitutional amendment. And it's it's a real uh, it's impossible, basically. Um yeah. 
what is your vision and that of your organization for the New Jersey cannabis industry? You know, you, you get the head start on New York. Um, you know, you're definitely going to get a lot of uh, downstate New Yorkers uh, coming over, you know, the same way that us upstaters go to Maine and Massachusetts. Um, you know, what, what does it look like to you? So I, I here, here's what I think. Um, I never, I never stopped thinking, of course, being a New Jersey executive, right? I, I, I worked for uh, multinational corporations and I totally understand, uh, well, I try to understand business, right? Uh, we are a regional economy, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, yep. whether you like it or not, everything is, is based on what happens in our region. Uh, we, our hub, our tri-state area is what drives the nation. And so you can't just think in a vacuum, Tim, it, it this has got to be a, well, what happens when New York gets it across the finish line? What happens when? So, so from a New Jersey standpoint, the things that I think we do is, uh, we, we, we definitely have to be careful with the tax issue. Don't overtax the product. Uh, you, you have to be creative with respect to standing up the industry, making sure that uh, groups like uh, my membership, like the association's membership, everyone gets a shot, whether you're in IT, whether you're in uh, engineering, architecture, uh, whether you're in real estate, everybody's got to get a shot. And so you create the opportunities for everyone to get a piece because all of those companies in New Jersey will probably have some, some uh, footing in New York. They'll have some footing in Pennsylvania. And, and you know darn well that New York companies are looking and, yeah. and they're, they're trying to figure out ways to get in. So, so it's really creating a, a platform, uh, making sure that the scaffolding is there when you're building this thing so that all of these companies, not just the people who touch the flower, but the ancillary businesses are getting a shot at growing their businesses. And, and you do it from a regional perspective, right? Knowing that you've got to be competitive. In your, in your role, uh, you know, with, with the, with the cannabis association, are you seeing a lot of sort of inquiry from more traditional ancillary, could be ancillary companies coming to you and saying, Hey, you know, it, what, what could I do here? Are you seeing a lot of that? Mm. So we are. Uh, so we've, we've gotten calls from people from out of state who are looking and they have said, look, I, I want to do cultivation. I want to do manufacturing. Uh, I want to do retail. Uh, and then I get, I do get the calls. I'm in security. Uh, I've got a security firm. Uh, I do delivery. I've got all of these great uh, business models. And so, yeah, they, they are here and they are joining the association, which is really neat. Uh, so it, we're, we are getting this interest. And so it, as the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, it's making it great because we actually get to talk business. And so we, we are, I, I would say up until November of last year, the social justice discussion, the economic parity discussion, and the commerce discussions were all being done mutually exclusive. People were either talking about social justice or they were talking about commerce. 
thank goodness, as of November 3rd, 2020, these conversations are now inclusive. So now I get, I get the benefit of talking about commerce and social justice and economic parity, not or. And so uh, when all of these companies are calling and, and reaching out, trying to figure out if New Jersey, not if, but how they do New Jersey, I get to have that conversation. Are you a black owned business or a woman owned business? If you're a veteran, let's talk about our, our history, right? And, and so we, we get to talk about that. And, and also from a policy, from a lobbying standpoint, how do I create the framework? How do I get to yes? So that these businesses can get in, get, get stood up and, uh, and be profitable. I love your energy, man. You're just smiling the entire time you're talking, and 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 it might seem so sort of like benign to a lot of people, but but to me, you know, who do who does a lot of these conversations, I mean, it's it's really uh, something special to see the joy, uh, you know, in your face. You can you can tell you're very excited about building this this industry, um, with you know, and 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 working towards uh, these goals that that you've said throughout. What when somebody comes to you, you know, uh, from the industry or from outside the industry and says, Edmund, uh, how can I be successful in the cannabis space? What's your advice for, for those people? Uh, number one, be patient uh, because it is a brand new industry. We, and, and I do smile because this is just an amazing time. We, Tim, we are, we're making history. This, this is, when was the last time this country saw an industry from the ground up? It's been decades and so here we are. So number one, be patient because there's going to be several iterations as to as to how we how we create the industry. And and uh, so patience is number one. Uh, number two, uh, and and I do love this about uh, being a lobbyist and uh, and having friends that are that are in the lobbying industry and business consultancy space. Uh, it, it's exciting because create teams, create networks, uh, be able to pivot. Uh, we're, we're talking cannabis today. Tomorrow we might be talking hemp. So, <laughs> yeah. so let's, let's be able to pivot, create these relationships because look, as a lobbyist, I love relationships, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get especially, yes. one, especially ones you don't have to pay for. And so, <laughs> and so, so, so yeah, be patient, build your networks, uh, build your business wisely and, and be flexible. This is, this has been really, uh, uh, enlightening and, and fun conversation, man. And I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time uh, to to be on the show. And, and, you know, I was fortunate to have a great conversation with you prior to this. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's really great to, to meet you and to, to have you as a guest. Where can people find out uh, more about the New Jersey Cannabis Association and more about you? Oh, well, the website is www.NewJerseyCannabusiness, and you spell out New Jersey, and Cannabusiness is C-A-N-N-A business, NewJerseyCannabusiness.com. And my email is ed, E-D, at NewJerseyCannabusiness.com. So please feel free to, to reach out, check out our website. Uh, in fact, we're, we're going to be redoing it. 
Uh, I've got an intern. <laughs> I got I got a college intern. I'm gonna gonna let her redo the website. It's gonna that, be cool. That's great for the resume. <laughs> I, I I I I'm gonna send some of my my students your way. Um, they could be your communications interns. I, I know a couple. Um, that's Edmund DeVoe. He's the president of the New Jersey Cannabis Association. Uh, he previously served as its policy director and worked in the state treasury department. Uh, he was also a commissioned officer in the U.S. Army and is a partner at lobbying firm Burton Trent Public Affairs. Edmund DeVoe, thank you so much for being on the show. And I look forward to seeing how you, uh, what, what role you play, which is probably going to be an outsized one in, uh, in building New Jersey's industry. Really appreciate it. Tim, thank you for having me. A pleasure. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com on Spotify and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you'll find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily, along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, TG Brandfault. <laughs>